Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. About a year before going to seminary back in 2002, I decided to read the Bible from cover to cover. The truth is, at the time, I didn't really know the full story that well. I knew the climax, Jesus' death and resurrection, and I knew a lot of the pieces, stories about Moses and a talking snake and a multicolored coat, but the glue that held all those pieces together, that's what I wanted to find. And so I opened the Bible and I started, well, in the beginning. And at first, nothing really surprised me. Whenever the snake was like, hey, eat this fruit, it's really not that big of a deal, I wasn't fooled. But what came next, I found to be utterly shocking. I had always assumed that people in the Bible were good and decent human beings, moral exemplars. But I found them to be the exact opposite, a bunch of misfits that were always leaving the God that loved them. And the more I read, the more I noticed this same pattern. God would claim people as his own. He'd mark them out and give them an identity as God's special people. But then those same people would forget about God. They would leave and they would try to find an identity somewhere else. That was the basic storyline that kept repeating itself. God would bless and love and claim a people for himself. But the recipients of that love would forget who they were and what God had done for them. And in time, they would leave. You see, the Bible surprised me because I just assumed that it was a textbook on how to be good. But then I read about Abraham who gave his wife to two foreign kings, pretending that she was his sister. And Elisha, whose self-esteem was crushed when some kids mocked him for being bald and responded by praying, not for their forgiveness, but that a bear would come and eat them. And the Israelites, who were saved from slavery on a Tuesday, And began worshiping a golden calf on a Friday. And Peter, who on the toughest night of Jesus' life took a power nap, chopped off someone's ear, and then denied his Lord three consecutive times. In other words, I was surprised to learn that the God we worship claimed these people as his own. That he would mark them out by giving them a special identity as his chosen people before 
they did anything good. And even more surprising was the frequency with which these same people would betray that love. But the most shocking reality of all was the glue that held these misfits together. God's utter refusal to leave them. It did not matter how many times people left God, God utterly refused to leave them. Today we hear the story of Doubting Thomas, which for the record is not a nickname I approve of. We don't give pejorative nicknames to anyone else in the Bible. To the best of my knowledge, there is no persecutor Paul or impulsive Peter. But more than that, it's really an understatement. Thomas doesn't have doubts. Thomas quits. And so if we're going to call him anything, it should be Queen Thomas. Because in his heart, Thomas leaves. He walks away from God. Forget that Jesus spoke openly about his death and resurrection before they even happened. After all, Thomas has. He has forgotten everything that Jesus said and did before he died that was meant to prepare him for this very moment. Now, understandably, the cross was devastating. Thomas's master is dead. Life seems absurd, and Thomas decides that he has had enough. And so whenever the disciples proclaim, we have seen the Lord, the response does make sense. You know what? I think I'm going to count my losses and walk away. You can believe whatever you want, but until I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in his side, I'm just not going to believe. If you want to hold on to the dream, that's fine. But as for me, I'm leaving. Now, it'd be great if Thomas's story were an isolated incident, if Thomas was some outlier that you and I could not relate to at all. But let's be honest, life is painful, and there are times when faith does not come easily. This is certainly true for the depressed, the lonely, the scared, for the sick, the unemployed, the infected, the oppressed, the exhausted. And God knows faith is not easy in a secular world that will leave a different story than the gospel. A story that ends not with resurrection, but with death. Wouldn't it be nice if Thomas were an exception to the rule and not the perfect example of it? But the truth is, at some point in our life, we either have been or we will be right there with Thomas and Peter and Elisha and Abraham and that whole band of biblical misfits that, as the hymn says, are going to leave the God we love. Eventually, if only in our heart, and for a million different reasons, we all get discouraged, we all get confused, we all leave God. The miracle of Easter, the great miracle we celebrate today, is that God refuses to leave us. Yes, we do leave God, but God never leaves us. And so is it really that surprising that Jesus comes back for Thomas? In other words, if by walking away, Thomas, what 
we are all prone to do at times, isn't God just doing what his loving nature demands? And that's come back for the people he loves? Because in today's gospel, what we have is the whole biblical narrative encapsulated. Like Thomas, we are all prone to walk away from God, but in Christ, God does whatever it takes to get us back. God refuses to let us go. To be a disciple of Jesus is to root our life in this story. This particular story that is glued together by God's utter refusal to leave his people. To follow Jesus is to say this story, this God, the one that refused to leave Thomas, even though Thomas had left him, this is our God too. For in giving our lives to Jesus, we then receive a complete new identity, an identity that is marked not by our capacity to be faithful to God, but rather by God's promise to be faithful to us. And by the way, that is the meaning of baptism. Baptism about receiving this new identity marked by the faithfulness of Christ. And for most of us, that happened before we could think or speak or accept or reject him. One of the things I love about the Episcopal Church is that we love to baptize infants into the body of Christ before they can choose we welcome them into the household of God, and by doing so proclaim that though throughout the course of their life they will choose all kinds of things, they'll choose good things and bad things, but they are safe because from the foundation of the world, God has chosen them. And to be a disciple is to root our life in this reality, this baptism, this story that is glued together by God's utter refusal to leave God's people. Because every single day of our life, we are tempted to find meaning and our identity in a different story. A story that ends with the cross. Or a story that says that we have to prove ourselves for God to love us. Or a story that says we have to clean ourselves up before God will love us. But that is why this community, St. Michael's, is so very important. You see, our job is to do for each other what Jesus does for us and what Jesus did for Thomas and that, of course, is utterly refuse to leave. And so if someone you love wakes up tomorrow and they're anxiously wrestling with who they are and they have forgotten about what gives them value and worth as a human being, our job as a church is to remind them of who they are in Christ. To remind them that contrary to what the world would have them believe, they are not what they do. They are not their reputation. They are not the sum total of their achievements, their mistakes. They are not what they feel. They are not how they look. They are not their portfolio. They are not their IQ. Their worth has nothing to do with making partner, making money, making the team. Our job is to remind them of their true identity in Christ. And they will forget. And so will we. We forget our story. We forget our true identity in Christ every single day. But the good news of the Christian gospel is that God doesn't forget, that he can't forget. 
and that God has graciously given us to each other to keep reminding us of this wonderful truth. The truth that our faith has little or nothing to do with our God and everything to do with God's promise to be faithful to us. Amen.